0: Father, thank you so much for sending
1: your son, your only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the purest, the best, to die for us on the cross and be the sacrifice we so desperately needed. Help us this morning, Lord, to see more of what you did for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24, Exodus chapter 24, verse 3. Exodus 24 it's not a hard book to find. It's the second one in the Bible, so that makes it easy, easier, I guess I should say. After all, some of these kids have memorized 2,000 verses. I was thinking about that. Two thousand verses. OK, that's just wonderful. And so, OK, here we are. Exodus chapter 24, verse three. Exodus, Exodus 24 verse three. This is a time. as I read this, just imagine that you were one of, the, of Israel, you are one of the Jewish people when this happened. Just put yourself back there uh, in the thousands of years uh, before. Now here we go, Exodus 24, three. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the in the audience of the people, and they said, "All that the Lord hath said, will we do and be obedient." And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, "Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words." Now, so far, what we've seen in this passage here is we've seen how Moses gathered all the people together there that was at the foot of Mount Sinai, and then he proclaimed to them all that the Lord wanted them to do. That left for them a decision. They had to decide, will we obey? Will we do what the Lord requires, or will we not? And twice in this passage, they responded that they would obey, that they would obey. That's what God does for us in our lives. He he lays out for us what he wants us to do, but then the decision is totally ours. The decision is totally ours. It's a decision. So after they had vowed to do that, after that, then Moses took the blood of the the offerings, there, the blood of the sacrifices, and it says that he sprinkled the people. That was something. He sprinkled the people with the blood. And as he did that, in verse 8, he said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you. And that's been our focus, is to really to think through what did he mean when he said, behold the blood? Because that, what Moses did, was looking forward to when the Lord Jesus Christ would shed his blood on the cross, and the focus, our focus has been, what does the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ mean? What does it mean? Well, first of all, we got to go back to just after Adam and Eve, had fallen into sin. That was our first parents, and they left us in a sinful state. Every one of us has been born in sin, and we sin. That makes us sinful. But that was the great tragedy that happened to us. But right after Adam and he fell into sin, then God said that the Redeemer was going to come, and he was going to crush the head of the devil that brought man into sin. And in the process... That, that, that his heel, the Redeemer's heel, would become bruised or bloodied. And so what we have here is we've been exploring the blood and what the blood meant of the, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ to get a more personal meaning, a more personal meaning from that. It's so interesting that, that uh, about the blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus is an issue of to us. It's to us. It's an issue of what the blood means to us personally. Because to us, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has great meaning. That's why we can call the blood of the Lord Jesus the to us blood, the to us, because of what it means to us. This is what all the Last Supper was about. At the Last Supper, it was a to us Last Supper, where we see the Lord Jesus Christ, he brings in his apostles there, they're in a private room, and he reveals what the blood was to us. That's the Last Supper. When in Luke twenty two fifteen, 15, Luke 22, 15, he said, he said it to them, with desire I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So this was, a, it wasn't just because he was hungry, but he wanted to explain a special meaning, a special significance to what his blood meant and it was at that Passover when in Luke 22.20, Luke 22.20, it says there that during that time it says, likewise also the cup, uh, saying, he took the cup, saying this cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for you. It's a new agreement. It's a new contract. It's a, it, 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 and, and he holds this cup out and, it, and, and as he does he said, this cup is the testament. This cup is a covenant. He said, this is the new covenant which is shed for you. And when he says that, the new covenant was shed for you, everybody's mind is drawn back to this place that we're reading about now in Exodus 24. When Moses had sprinkled the, blood of the, sprinkled the people with the blood of the covenant, he says, behold the blood of the covenant. And then he says, and, as he, and then in flash forward, to where he's there at the Last Supper, he's holding out that cup. He said, this is shed for you. And when that happens, you can just picture everybody in the room having that aha moment when they understood, when they understood. Because to the world, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. It's just a, it's a fact that he died and, and, that, and, it is, and, and, and he bled. But to us, to believers, the blood of the Lord Jesus has a far more personal meaning Behold, and this is where Moses says, behold the blood of the covenant. Now, we've already seen how the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ contains within it really great news for us. Great news for us. Why? Because, because it was all that we needed and all that we didn't have in ourselves. Job says in Job 33, 24, Job 33, 24, speaking about God, speaking about God, Job says, he is gracious unto him, and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. That's what the blood is. The blood is the ransom that God found that enables each one of us to not go down into the pit of hell. Each one of us are headed right down the middle of the road to hell. We think we're good people, we're not. We think we're righteous. We're not. Why? Because God says He looked down from heaven in Psalms and He said to see if there was anyone who was righteous, anyone who was not sinful, and His conclusion was no, not one. As it says in Romans three twenty three, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and sin has got to be judged. So that puts everybody right on the road down to hell, right down the middle of the road uh, to hell. But the great thing is, and God doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want that to happen. So, but what he needs, what God needs is a ransom. And that's the great news that's in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ from Job thirty-three twenty-four, where he says, deliver him. I want to deliver him. I found a ransom. That is great for us. Great news. It was a ransom for us, and it also was the purchase money. It's the purchase money that purchased our redemption, our redemption. As it says in 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without spot and without blood. That's what the blood of the Lord Jesus is to us. It's precious. It's the precious blood. It's not just the blood. It's the precious blood that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, also, our sins are terrible, and they need to be covered. Adam and Eve knew this, and Adam and Eve tried to cover them in fig leaves, which was totally defective, and it didn't work, and so God then killed animals right in front of them, took the skins of those animals, and clothed them with the skins of those animals. That was symbolic. That was symbolic of the ultimate covering for the sin. The word for covering is the word atonement. Atonement means covering. And so what happened there is that the blood of the Lord Jesus became the ultimate atonement covering for our sins. That's the meaning behind Leviticus 17:11. Leviticus 17:11 where God said, "The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make an atonement and a covering for your souls." It's the blood that makes an atonement, a covering for the souls. That's what the blood of the Lord Jesus is for us. It's a covering. It shields, it hides from view the awfulness of our sins. We need that. We need that. We need a ransom. We need a redemption. We need a covering for our sins. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ provided that. Now, one of the terrible consequences of our sins is that it distanced us from god you know if you want to look at the at what actually happened you could say this is adam and, and or man and this is god and so in the garden of eden they were like this it was wonderful it was beautiful it was a fantastic time when man was in perfect fellowship with god but when man decided to disobey god when man said i'd rather have my eyes open more than to obey god i'd rather become as god's than to obey god I'd rather know good and evil personally than to obey God. And when man decided to disobey God, he did this. He turned away from God. And so God must judge sin. So God also turned away from man. And what's that? A great distance was formed between God and man. That's the great gulf that was formed. Now, man continues on on his merry way away from God, just like it says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone from our own way. And so he's going farther and farther away from God by his own way, by his own life, by his own thoughts, by his own actions, by his own words. He's walking farther and farther away from God. The distance is getting greater and greater. As he gets out to these, uh, the, these outer edges, he's saying, well, I don't know if God exists or not. Well, I'm agnostic. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. That's a re- result of distance from God. And, and, and God is over here. The gospel <laughs> is this, that God turned back to man. He came back to man to, to, to bring the distance, to, to, to make there be no distance anymore. And now, each one of us has a decision to make, will we respond to God's overture? Will we respond to God's invitation? Will we now turn back? Because if we do, then we come in and the distance is eliminated. This is the meaning behind Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, were far off, are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. So the blood of Christ brings us back. It shortens, it brings us back. it, It eliminates the distance. It's a reconciliation. That's wonderful. We needed that. We couldn't do that on our own. We're way out here, Far from God, and thinking, well, maybe I can do some good thing for God. Maybe I can oppress God. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll donate to the Red Cross. I'll, 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 I'll volunteer to feed the homeless, and, uh, and all these good works, quote unquote, good works. And God says in, in, in Isaiah sixty four six, all of your donating to the to the Red Cross, all of your you're you're feeding the homeless. Yeah, that's all good and fine. But as far as being righteous and getting into heaven, all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags because we are the heart is deceitful above all things. Only the blood, only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can bring man back, reconcile him back to God. Now, another thing that happened as a result of our sins, it was an in, that, those are external things, but something internal happened which was really bad, and that is that it made us really dirty inside. It made us filthy inside. So when when the Lord Jesus Christ was was talking about the heart of man, what's inside of man, he said this out of the in, in Matthew fifteen nineteen Matthew fifteen nineteen out of the heart out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. These are the things which defile a man. That is a horrible state. Because the, the dirtiness that comes in the heart as a result of sin, guilt, shame, dirtiness that, that you feel inside, there's no soap that can clean that. There's no cleaner that, can, that we can sit there and say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going I'm I'm to forcibly get all these thoughts out of my mind. It doesn't work in God's sight or in ours either. We need cleansing. And this is another wonderful accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only effective purger of our conscience, the cleanser of our souls. When it says in 1 John 1, 1.7, 1 John 1, 1.7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's the blood that cleans us. It's the blood that cleans us. That's an accomplishment of the, Lord Jesus, of, of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Another thing that happens when we sin, when we sin, when we sin because we sin because we're sinners, that's why we sin. But when we sin, another thing that happens is it disturbs us. It disturbs us inside. And what that is called, it takes away peace. Peace is gone. There is a restlessness inside. There is an anxiety inside. And this is all described in Isaiah 57:20. In Isaiah fifty seven twenty, it says, The wicked are like the troubled sea when it when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. We've all been down to the ocean. We've all seen this, we've all sit there and you know the waves are coming and going and there's turbulence, and sometimes you may say to the ocean, Hey, are you ever gonna have stop? Are you going to have peace? Are you ever going to? No, it just keeps going back and forth. And the Lord said, "That's a picture of what happens when sin comes. It causes like a condition like the troubled sea." And then God said, "There is no peace," saith my God, "to the wicked." But it all changes. It all changes through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, not through a personal reformation, not through a am going to be a better person." I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be a better person. That's not how it happens. But what happens? The blood in Colossians one twenty, Colossians one twenty, it says that the having made peace through the blood of his cross to reconcile all things unto himself. That's another wonderful thing that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ does for us that we couldn't do it ourselves. It brings us peace, peace with God. Our sins left us not just with the need to be redeemed, not just with the need for a ransom not just with the need to be brought near to god not just with the need to be cleansed within not just with the need for peace within but our sins also left us with a great need to have them erased from the record expunged from the record every time we sinned against god it was like a crime sheet and another crime was added to it it was awful And we could turn away and say, I don't want to look at it anymore. But it still remains. It's still on that sheet. And so what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ did is it expunged it. It removed it. And if it's not removed, it's terrible because our crime sheet calls out for judgment. Our crime sheet says that sin has to be judged, and that sin has to be judged, and that sin has to be judged. And we know from the Bible that there is a day appointed in which sins will be judged. It says that in Acts 17.31. Acts 17.31 says, He has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man that he hath ordained, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the day of judgment. And we know that we're all going to face that because death, the Bible describes death as an appointed time an appointment that every person is going to meet. It says in Hebrews 9, 27, Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. After this, the judgment. Now, if you ask a lost person, if you ask a person who doesn't know the Bible, doesn't know God, and you say you say to them, well, what's going to happen to you after you die? You know what the response you normally get is? Oh, I don't know, and no one knows. (laughs) I don't know. I I can't see and no one can see. That's the response. But God has made it very clear. God has made it very clear. Death, judgment. Death, judgment. It says in Ecclesiastes 12:14, 12, 14, 12, 14, Ecclesiastes 12:14, God shall bring every work unto judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. So we need this removal. We need the removal. We need the removal from what was described in Isaiah Isaiah 53.6. Isaiah 53.6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We walked away from God. We've turned everyone to our own way. I'm I'm following Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. I did it my way. And that's all sin. Sin. Now, we need that expunged. We need that taken away. So, recently, I had an exchange with an Orthodox rabbi on a, uh, by texting, and, and, and uh, I was talking about sin, and he wrote me back, and he said, Tom stop living in a negative world focused on sin. He says, transform the world. Well, that's great, but the problem is the world is sinful, and it's not possible to stop living in a sinful world and ignore this sad fact. Yeah, because some people say, well, where does the sin come from? Well, some people may say, well, sin comes, it comes from a faulty society. That's the problem. It's a faulty society. All we got to do is just fix the society. It's the world. The world has simply developed in the wrong direction. And to get rid of sin, we just need to change the society. But the Bible doesn't agree with that. The Bible doesn't agree with that, that sin comes from the world. It comes from the human heart. And in other, people, other people would say, well, sin comes from dysfunctional families. That's it. People, the reason people do sinful things is because they didn't have a good upbringing. They 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 weren't raised in, in good families. They didn't have good moms and dads. They didn't raise, they weren't raised in the time of Leave It to Beaver, you know, and the Haskell. No. That's a problem. The Bible doesn't agree with that. The Bible doesn't agree with that either. The Bible doesn't say the Bible doesn't say, well, sin originates in the home. It originates from the human heart. And some people would say, I tell you what the problem is, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood and all that media, all that glorification of murder and war and hatred. It's Hollywood that puts all those wrong ideas in our head. So we just get just change Hollywood to produce good, wholesome, rated G movies or better than G whatever, and then, then and then we 'll be better, and then, and then sin won 't be there anymore. Bible says no, Bible doesn 't agree with that. Another deception is to where people say, "Well, sin comes from all those temptations. if there weren 't all those temptations to take drugs from such easy access on the street, if there weren 't all those temptations from the internet to easily fall into the addiction of pornography. Well, that's what the problem is. It's all those temptations. Sin just comes from all those circumstances in life and the pressures or those temptations. And this is what the psychologist says. what the psychologist told my father about me when he brought me to the psychologist to find out uh, what's wrong with Tommy. And the psychologist, who was the head of psychology over at UCLA, told my father, Eddie, that was my dad's name, Eddie, the boy is basically good, but the city of Los Angeles is bad problem with uh, Tommy is Los Angeles you have to send the boy away send him to some clean place like Switzerland send the boy to Switzerland then he won't have any temptations well Tommy found plenty of trouble in Switzerland too.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at Tom Cantor at FriendshipWithGod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who he reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org.